talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello! And welcome once again to another exciting episode of more like The Worst Wing, the show where in these very strange times of 2020, we take a look back at what must have seemed like a dream, Aaron Sorkin's (laughs) modern seminal classic, The West Wing. Um, I'm Stu. And I am Dave. And holy shit, this is probably the weirdest time to be alive in... I don't know my entire life. Yeah, we're but, uh, it's it's the the time is uh, six oh six p.m. on Monday, March sixteenth, twenty twenty. Uh, we have just experienced a Dow drop that has erased ninety six percent of Trump's <laughs> gains for his entire term uh, in like one day. Number go Oops. down. No, uh, number go down. Bad but, number. But we're not here to be a general news podcast. But <laughs> we are just noting as a a very interesting time uh, that we and live this in, is which which is, is what an interesting episode to discuss. <laughs> yes, and this is therapeutic. We are maintaining our routines by you know getting on the mic and talking about uh, the show we've been talking about for two and a half years now. Absolutely. So, so let's hop right yeah. in to the U.S. poet laureate. Uh, which Ooh. is entitled for this episode's significant <laughs> guest star, hot off the heels of Jurassic Park, we have Laura Dern showing yeah. up as the uh, titular U.S. Poet Laureate. Yep, and so this episode, basically she shows up and the initial conflict... Actually, let's just do a quick plot wrap-up before because we've sure. got our, our tight three down again this episode. Yeah. So um, we open with the president giving a variety of like interviews to the morning shows, basically doing the circuit. Yep. Of uh, big um, city local news shows. Yeah. Yeah. And they're asking him about like an energy independence plan that he plans on. I don't know, like bringing up at a uh, debate or something. Yeah. Bringing up at a speech yeah. because it's still in the context of the election right here where they, they expect to be facing off against governor Ritchie, who is the putative Republican opponent. And is a George W. Bush analog. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're hammering the energy independence thing because he's supposed to be like the oil guy, I think. Right. Um, and then after each interview, the host asks Bartlett a couple like personal questions, not personal, but like off the air questions. Um, yeah. And you know they're like, so are you concerned about Richie? Or you know they're all asking about that. And with the final one, where he thinks he's off the air, uh, he says. Uh, you want to just put the quote in because the quote is weird and I want to draw attention to it. It's 16 past the hour. We'll be back with traffic and weather as Wake Up Philadelphia continues. Okay. Thank you, sir. That was terrific. Leslie, right? Yes, sir. Thanks a lot. I mentioned Governor Ritchie's book because I was hoping you'd rise to the bait. There'll be plenty of bait in September, October. Have you read the book? I'll read it when he does. What's your read on him so far? I don't know, Leslie. I think we might be talking about a 22 caliber mine in a 357 Magnum world. Okay. Yeah. What an odd metaphor to say my opponent is dumb. Uh, but yes, he calls Richie dumb, and then they find out, oops, the green light was on. They have that live, that was live broadcast on air. Uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> And that's the big, like you, that's the big scandal. Dummy. That's the big scandal yeah. that kicks off the cold open. Uh, and then CJ is sort of in a tear from there having to deal with it. Meanwhile, yep. go ahead. No, I was going to say that's, it's like the hot mic controversy right. that comes up. Right. So that's, that's one of our main plots through this episode. And then spoiler alert, we find out that it wasn't a mistake. 
Uh, <laughs> and it was actually planned by Bartlett the whole time in some sort of genius political move because now the news is doing nothing but talking about how Richie is dumb. Yeah, it's... Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> so I mean, that, yeah, we that's, move the, into, that's the long and short of it. <laughs> yep, pretty much, and we're not going to talk much about that because it actually only sort of glances off any political yeah, we content Yeah, we'll dig episode. more into the, to the meaning of the subplot when we get to that. Uh, yep. But then, meanwhile, uh, Toby is dealing with the Poet Laureate because he's got a bit of a crush on her. Uh, and it's very, which is adorable. It's very adorable, and it's done well by Richard Schiff. And of course, I don't. It don't, goes without saying that Laura Dern is fantastic in this episode, uh, and her character is in the right as well because they get into a big political hubbubaloo about landmines, uh, because she is coming to come to a big dinner honoring the poet laureate, and then she has just recently announced that while she's you know when at said dinner she's going to bring up the topic of landmines and urge the u.s to sign this landmine anti-landmine treaty that the u.s developed the treaty uh but has not ratified it yet because it will not include a exception for the demilitarized zone between north and south korea uh where there are approximately a million landmines uh supposedly keeping the peace yeah, and so she plans on, like, grilling the president about right. exactly why. And Toby, in his capacity as communications director, is like, the White House can't have that happen. Right, it's, try- it's, so, it's exactly like the whole, the Danny guy cannot come and speak. You cannot, yep. you cannot do this thing that you're planning on doing. It would be a huge PR nightmare. Uh, and so that is the rest of their plot for the episode, is them kind of going back and forth on this. And we'll dig more into that. Uh, again, when we yep. get to that bit. So then our third beat <laughs> involves Josh, <laughs> Josh, Aaron Sorkin, and the internet. <laughs> and LemonLimon.com. <laughs> so basically, um, Josh stumbles upon the fact that he has like a fan site. I guess, yes. <laughs> I, I guess being that is an entire internet forums community hmm. what are what are those he says in 2020 um but basically just devoted to his career and talking about him or whatever and which rumors is and the politics of yeah. the day and that sort of thing yeah and so i mean back back in sort of like the real i i would say pre the quote blogosphere being an actual term used to describe it right there were some extremely um specific and topic I, I guess specific like topic specific blogs around there and forum communities absolutely. devoted to like weirdly weirdly pointed issues absolutely <laughs> so so this sort of thing happening which is a hundred percent real but then josh decides to dive in and at first he's just sort of like charmed by the fact that look they got like a little fan site about me yeah <laughs> like and he's kind of just eating up the attention but then he's then he makes the xkcd comic of someone is wrong on the internet and i must correct them yeah. and then decides to hop in because like someone made some post about him calling for a gao study and how he can't do it and he's like i'll do anything i damn well please don <laughs> Po- post that for me, Donna. It's like take a memo, except post it. Right. It's it's very it's very like secretary. Take a letter, but instead, Donna, compose my posts. 
So she like throughout the episode they're they're talking about that. Um, and he keeps digging and, into this stupid online. And Donna <laughs> and Donna, Donna keeps trying to stop him. Donna keeps trying to warn him that like just stop. Just don't all argue online. These people are insane. <laughs> yeah. And then finally CJ ends up uh really hauling his ass in and being like I just got a call from the Washington Post about you posting it on some fucking website. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you, you fucking dick. You're arguably like one of the ten most powerful people on the planet. And my job, and as, my are. job as press yeah. secretary is to stop this shit from happening. <laughs> so she threatens, so yes. threatens him in a very comical way. Uh, and that basically draws an end to the, the Josh Lemon Lyman saga. But we will dig more into it uh, because it turns out it has real life roots in Aaron Sorkin. Real life. In Aaron Sorkin's own online activities with the Television Without Pity forums uh, when they criticize some of his writing decisions, <laughs> which is just and incredible. Once we sort of like further into the episode, kind of the last thing we're going to end up talking about is that as a as a method to play defense against the like the insinuation of the president being an elitist mm-hmm. we have some guy some fucking guy come into Sam's office and is like Sam you done fucked up by letting this happen what happened to bipartisanship mm-hmm. and it's the most west wing set of words possible i will uh, when we when we follow- go into the segment i will include the clip i don't want to do it here because <laughs> like i we're, we're moving on but it is insane and so as part of the defensive strategy guess what da, 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 they trot out fucking ainsley hayes again not just trot out draw her back from vacation, vacation. in <laughs> a, another extremely west wing moment of protestant work ethic must overtake all uh, and you cannot have your fucking vacation pee on. <laughs> and basically they bring her back in to use her to deploy to be like, hey, look, we aren't intellectualist snobs. We've got it's and it's ridiculous as, as Sam. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> Sam and Sam and Ainsley have a series of conversations about basically like the elitist right. um do you want a smart types. president essentially is what it boils down to and then versus the sort of anti-intellectualism that underpins arguably the like the richy side of the republican um, objection Party. to this yeah. of being of being like oh we don't need them goddamn eggheads telling us what to do but and so they have asked ainsley to straddle this line right for them and so On we'll have TV some discussion stuff. yeah yeah, and go out in the press mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And then, you know, kind of as the episode winds down, I know you'll be stunned to hear this, but none of this ends up actually going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we find out that Bartlett planned the whole TV quote-unquote slip-up the whole time, uh, and we get a kind of cute moment between him and CJ where she's like, that was old school, sir. <laughs> and like, like big whoop. <laughs> What? What? You got goddamn boomers? Yeah. Like, what the fuck do you even mean, old? Sc- anyway, uh, old school, so. old school pretending to fuck up actually genius. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. That one. Yeah, that's that sure is what old school means, mm-hmm. motherfuckers. So that pretty much so. wraps up the plot summary. Let's uh, we'll take a quick break here, and then we'll come back to dig into uh, these <laughs> topics. Open and the wind appeared The candles blew 
So the, the nominal color in this episode is that we have Laura Dern guest starring. And like, I mean, Laura Dern's a big time guest star. Right. I mean, this she is probably hot is off even, Jurassic Park, you know. She probably is even, I mean, it's technically it's seven years, eight years off of Jurassic Park. Yeah, but, but like probably, in the popular mindset, she's still, you know. Well, and she's established right. at this point. It's like she, she had she's done other EJO, things. Right, exactly. She's an EJO level guest, guest star, star on this. Yeah, on this. big guest so, star. Yeah, and so we get her playing the poet laureate to come in and ostensibly there's a dinner being thrown in her honor. And if, you know, in normal circumstances, it would be the fact that she is there and it's her thing. Like she's going to do a thing and she's reluctant to tow the administration's line. And she says it a couple times of like, all all you want me to do is rattle off 64 couplets on the American experience mm-hmm. and then sort of, you know, and march ha- me on my way. Right, and handshake the president and get a photo op. <laughs> yes, precisely. Um, Instead, and- she realizes that this is her opportunity to speak truth to power. And she has an extremely personal anecdote, as we'll find out later in the episode, about watching a little child die due to a landmine accident uh somewhere in like southeast asia and she wants to take this opportunity to to speak truth to power and the way this ends up getting resolved is the most like fuck you aaron sorkin kind of bullshit (laughs) so i think there and this is weird this is why i i just i've i have a newfound this episode first of all was it, and I, I mentioned before we started. It wasn't boring. This was, this was one of the more interesting and engaging episodes because not only does it just confirm every one of our thoughts about Aaron Sorkin and The West Wing, all in a little, like a nice little forty-two minute package here, but there's actually some, I would say, earnest engagement with certain things that is then very stereotypically shut down in a West Wing fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, so it's all of these things that are just all of our takes on the show are heightened to the extreme in this particular episode. Mm-hmm. So we have Laura Dern coming in and having what to anybody, anybody even within a whiff of the left in 2020 yeah. has an eminently reasonable position on. And that's that pl- landmines are monstrous. Right. And not only that, she has pl- she brings up plenty of points with Toby about how a we don't need them anymore. B they're not effective. C like they they would cause problems if we needed to counter invade North Korea from South Korea, and like you know all these sort of things. And Toby has literally no response other than be like, "Yes, all of your points are right, but what about the optics though?" Because the optics yeah. of you confronting the president at a dinner is that's going to become the whole story, and no one will. And now no one will even care about landmines. The whole story will be about the poet laureate dissing the president. <laughs> you know those hot stories that keep f- yeah. for long times. <laughs> yeah, because I, de- I as a person deeply tied into every single political moment of our entire lives because i definitely know who the current u.s poet laureate and a care about and care about what they feel about the president (laughs) meanwhile um anybody who actually knows who the poet laureate is please feel free to email us or post (laughs) who it is because i don't fucking know (laughs) 
Um, so and then and it's well, then it really ends with this whole thing about where she has this like she has this breakdown during a poetry lecture where she realizes like I'm just an artist and my job is just to to entertain people for the time that I have them. It's not to speak any great truth. I I'm I'm going to drop the whole issue Toby and just and just do a nice dinner and and do my photo op like you wanted. And it's like and it, this speech she has about like I'm just my job is just to entertain you for the 45 minutes that I have you is Aaron Sorkin like pleading his case for why he should be like relevant or be considered an artist essentially like even though he's just a hack TV writer. Yeah, it's so pathological it hurts because it's so fucked no, up. No artist would have such a facile take on their craft. As to be like, well, there this is, is no such enough. thing as truth, so we can't call what we do important. <laughs> like that's what he's saying. It's so, uh, it's just like <laughs> it's shocking. <laughs> so, so the the little blunk you just heard in the background <laughs> of my uh, recording is Emma texting me to say that the U.S. poet laureate, its name is Joy Harjo. Okay, she is the first Native American U.S. Oh. poet laureate. I'll be damned. Thanks, Emma. Nice. Don't text me during recording because my <laughs> notifications go off. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, but yeah. So the, this whole—it's <sighs> just this like super—and it comes again. Of course, it took like two seconds for me to go. I bet this one was a hundred percent written by Sorkin, wasn't it? And goddamn, if it wasn't, <laughs> every time. Yeah, like, and the the way that he tries to. It's, it's actually, and I, I find myself cons- like inventing conspiracy theories about this because when I watch this, the way that I read Sorkin as trying to dodge responsibility for inserting his voice in this is to say that, oh, it's because Toby likes her a lot. Right. So they have all this technically, I mean, completely irrelevant sort of fanboyism that they write a lot of stuff about Toby sort of having a crush on right. this woman. And, they're, and she they're... reciprocates, to be clear. Exactly, exactly. To be very like clear, the... the fantasy is that, you know, if Toby is the uh, stand-in here for Sorkin, uh, at one point Laura Dern says, you're cute, Toby, and I love the way you write. And, like, this is what Aaron Sorkin wishes pretty women would say to him on a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> the the mutual the mutualism in that like the both that that both of them are reciprocating that puts it in this realm of we can bubble this off mm-hmm. from the seriousness because it is colored by the fact that they have a personal connection and people are now watching this not to think about the politics of landmines right. or the optics just, of a just speech to see if they'll get together <laughs> exactly correct and it's subtle and frankly as i was saying like this is actually an interesting, I guess, exploration of it that eventually gets tanked. They do spend a lot of time to, with Toby spinning his wheels because he has nothing. He has no argument. You know, she's right. Right. And that is at least a step up from the typical show's condescension of let me tell you about this issue and how you're fucking dumb right. for even for even like daring to think different. Right. So instead, they just have her quit and give up you know rather than rather than you know like okay well we can't say that she's dumb or wrong because she's not so she's just gonna give up and you know you have the the subtle 
subtext of oh well she's a woman so she just had a breakdown during this lecture right and flipped out with her emotions and uh yeah it's it's just not not great at all and fuck landmines like it's yeah but the, we don't even really get into the like we touch on the politics of it but as you say yeah. it just becomes about like a relationship issue and then this whole dumb thing about artists and truths and that Sorkin's massive like guilt complex pouring out onto the page or whatever. <laughs> and frankly, I mean, and there's there's a graphic that gets posted in C-SPAM all the time. It's just a a, a gif of the world cycling through like these treaties the U.S. hasn't signed. Yeah, and the, and that <laughs> everything yeah. important. Yeah, and just you know imperialism and you know obviously we're not going to do anything that would you know help humanity or whatever and you know America demon nation and you know the drill. <laughs> you know the drill. At this you know point. the drill by now. <laughs> that this particular exploration of it could have been interesting, pretty sure. cool, right? And then but it's just left turn into Sorkin sexism. The show's not interested in that at all. Yep, none of that. All right. right. And that pretty much covers that. Let's take another break, and then we'll come back and discuss the next issue. I think we're going to talk about, yeah, anti-intellectualism. Yes. Which, actually, this dovetails into it a little bit. Because, you know, theoretically, this woman is a at the height of her craft, and... Yeah, but then she has this whole thing about, like, I just do poems, Toby. (laughs) Like, I just do poems. I'm just a silly woman who does poems. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Because Aaron Sorkin is writing the words that she says. Uh, And he'll also soon be writing the words that Ainsley says. So let's take a break and we'll talk about that. but when our base is happy, there's usually trouble someplace else. Moderates are talking about bolting the party. Nobody's bolting the party. It was an honest mistake. And, by the way, it had nothing to do with partisanism. Well, something has to be done. There's very little that can be done from the communications office. A summit. Congressman? A summit on bipartisan cooperation. I can bring it up, but it'll get laughed out of the room. Why? It's an election year. We want to be partisan. We're trying to beat them. Well, I've got to be able to go back and tell my moderate friend something. What about a Republican appointment or a promotion? So we shortly dovetail into the Sam and Ainsley discussion where, first of all, they call Ainsley back from vacation and she storms in the door. Well, first of all, she listens. Sucker. Yeah, yeah. You tell them to fuck off. Just turn your phone off. Yeah. Listens, comes in the door and is like, it was 40 hours. (laughs) Yeah, like I got to unpack and then repack. So comes in the door and I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. And she calls Sam out immediately and says, you're doing this because you need me to be a white Republican woman. Right. And you don't fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they then like devolve into, there's several vignettes of them together discussing what basically boils down to the perception of anti-intellectualism versus elitism in American society. 
and and in our system of governance. Mm-hmm. So this is actually um, on the left. This is a continually raging. I don't want to say like issue, but at every DSA meeting, you can find the political education people who are screaming about Gramsci or whatever. And then there are the, you know, the workers who are just like, I will never read a book. I need to unionize my workplace. I don't have time to read a book (laughs) type of thing. And this is sort of like the neoliberal equivalent of it where frankly, and there's one of my favorite quotes from Isaac Asimov is that he said, quote, anti-intellectualism has been a constant thread winding its way through our political and cultural life nurtured by the false notion that democracy means that my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. And that's a pretty succinct, I guess, wrap up of how this evolves at the higher levels of power. Sure. Because there is a, I mean, the strain of republicanism is heavily underpinned by faith, authoritarianism, right? like giving yourself over to your figures in power right. and ig- and general ignorance, like an anti-scientific, like right. even further than Just anti-intellectual. Just a general, trust your gut. You know, you know what's right. You don't need no book learning to tell you otherwise. Yes. And Sam, on the other fucking side of this bullshit, is like, oh, well, you see... I, I believe that an Ivy League credential just should, you know, carry so much weight right. in in determining the leadership of the country. Oh, and we get I the be- we get the ultimate credential check shout out during one of the press conferences. Holy shit. Where CJ reads off the president's like graduation stats and that he's like summa cum laude and <laughs> every every fucking accomplishment he's ever had. It's insane. Well, and there's a there's a part where like the, the the thing where I and this is where I always get hung up is that oftentimes we mistake pedantry for intelligence. For, yeah. And there's there's a perfect encapsulation of that in this episode where Sam corrects Ainsley on the fact that the president technically didn't go to an Ivy League school. Right. Because he went to Notre no, Dame. Notre He's Dame like, is not technically Ivy League. You'll you'll find that they play independent football <laughs> right and it's like god jeez fuck you no one cares do you not it, get the point <laughs> tuition is still sixty thousand dollars he, went, a he year. went to an elite university that's the point <laughs> there was and never this pedantic hair splitting is always the coward's <laughs> goddamn defense it's a classic lib move and you see it all the time where it's like ha 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 i have corrected you on a matter of semantics therefore <laughs> you are wrong and and get owned sir right like like and let's be clear i i am guilty i went to duke university it is and nobody ever questions that in any setting they hear the name they understand what you are saying when you leverage that fact of course in a conversation it has nothing to do with the pedantic distinction between oh well you see there are these 12 schools in the northeast <laughs> right like, fuck you no. and if, if you he, say any prestigious university your meeting comes across clear <laughs> and ainsley then just fucking from the top rope takes him back and says you know we, all i know is that the vietnam war was started embroiled and messily finished by robert fucking mcnamara and the 
I think she says like the Beltway chapter of, of the Harvard, of the Harvard Alumni yeah. Association, yeah. which is just like, that's all you need to say. These fucking eggheads got us into every quagma and we can watch it unfold in real time in 2020. Mm-hmm. The same goddamn thing is happening again. All these people who are purported to be experts. brilliant and experts are just as captive as anybody else well, to capital. They just and they look through the world with the wrong lens, you know, and because they're they come from places of extreme privilege and they don't see the world the same way as the rest of us. And they're sort of trying in to be fair to this episode, it's sort of trying to make a point about the good guys, like the nominal good guys sure. in the administration as well, but then it just kind of peters out and it's just oh, we can agree to disagree on this. And yeah, then, and it ultimately uh, feels like because of the whole Richie thing, which is tied up in all this, that it just boils down to Bartlett smart, Richie dumb, and don't we shouldn't we prefer smart to dumb? Because like that's what it ends up like being in, in yeah. turn, you know. It's, in it's real. a simple dichotomy, and as we'll see in the next few episodes when they play the debate out and everything, that ends up being what it is. And this is what the libs want. They want it to be smart and not smart because then they win that, and it doesn't have to be a moral thing. It's just we're smarter. It's not yeah, that we yes. have better morals or better positions or better policies. It's just that we're smarter than the other side. Yeah, and it's it's a per- again Ainsley's point resonates so like so thoroughly because we smarted ourselves into body quotas mm-hmm. in Vietnam. Yep. And that, I mean, it's the, and we smart ourselves the perfect... into stupid ass decisions all the time. Yep. And yeah. And, <laughs> uh, Emma reminded me that Sam's qualification for running a candidate is I look for a mind at work. That line is directly written into the musical Hamilton, which uh. I will never verify. Correct. Whether that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take another break and then we'll come back and discuss Josh, Aaron Sorkin, and the perils of being extremely online. So our final topic, and my favorite topic of this particular episode, is where Aaron Sorkin wrote his own online adventures uh, into an episode of network television. <laughs> so the the story goes, uh, if many, some of you may even know of this site called Television Without Pity. Um, I actually used to frequent it back in the day, uh, not during the Sorkin posting times, but shortly thereafter. Uh, they would do TV recaps um, in a snarky sort sort of tone, but also, you know, it was a fan site first and foremost, and uh, many of their initial West Wing recaps are quite praising of the show. Uh, but around this time, in season three, uh, fans were no- starting to notice a lack of quality, uh, which of course we have drawn <laughs> much attention to ourselves on this program. <laughs> Uh, over the last few episodes, and we're starting to make their their displeasure known. 
Uh, during this time, Aaron Sorkin himself, uh, posting under the name Benjamin, which is his middle name, uh, posts on television without pity, uh, sort of kind of defending himself or defending the writer's decisions. Uh, there's a bit of back and forth with, oh my god, is that really Aaron Sorkin? And then, like, the mods kind of are, like, come down and, like, you know, and defend the fans who are, like, criticizing him or, or something like that. Anyway, Sorkin gets big mad about it and so <laughs> mad that he decides to write uh, his his saga into to, the into West Wing. Into the West Wing. Where, where Josh has basically this same exact experience happen, except instead of a television board, it's a government Josh Lyman fan site. <laughs> it's... L- lemon Lyman. Yeah, lem- lemon Lyman. <laughs> <laughs> lemon Lyman.com. So... We get (laughs) Josh is like, he's actually a very good analog for it's like an extremely online type of person on, on his political bandwidth, let's say like (laughs) where he exists in, he'd be a D &D poster. He would be a D &D mod. Well, that's what I was was trying to, I was trying to map him onto somebody from something awful. I was thinking like evil weasel, or like one of the more OG D and D people. Well, any any one of the lawyers who thinks like their expert opinion means that they can be a dick, <laughs> and they, they have to express it in four paragraphs or le- or more. Right. So yeah, he basically gets into a giant posting crusade, uh, where so the initial comment is someone's like, I can't believe Josh uh, tried to get a GAO investigation or what or you know account done, and he's like, I can do any GAO garbage I want. <laughs> And they come back with, like, I can't believe Josh is trying to, like, overtake the country and, like, (laughs) nullify separation of powers. And he just, like, you know, the whole time he's like, Donna, take a post. (laughs) And, like, it's like, it goes on, like, you know, these epic online rants. Now, to be fair, this is 01. This is sort of, like, pre- the the concept of the epic online rant that, like, completely owned you. Yeah, like... So in a weird way, it's ahead of its time, almost. The I think like the um, my analog for it is that it's like the, there there wasn't a give and take. There would be people writing these posts and publishing them as like this mm-hmm. is my work. You should read it and either laugh or agree. It's like a Maddox type of right, thing, sure, which dates dates yeah, me this, extremely. This, but you know. this is more of a forum experience still. Because he he doesn't end up winning, you know. It, it like it just devolves into, and we've got the clip here of the internet people are going crazy. You're kidding. They're calling the GAO General Josh's standing army and saying I don't understand its mandate and purpose. They're saying if I can get a review of anything I want, I should start by reviewing the job of Deputy COS. <laughs> One guy compares me to a poor man's Clark Clifford and a page and a half of posts debating whether or not I was mocking Egyptians with the Sanskrit reference. I told you they were hysterical. <laughs> the online people are crazy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the... Yeah, it just devolves into that, and then finally CJ gets wind of it because the Washington Post is like, uh, did Josh come in on a website? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what in the fu-? And so she goes over, reads him the riot act in a very comical fashion, uh, which is well done, and Alice and Janie goes on this whole bit about one flew over the cuckoo's nest, uh, re- referencing all the characters. <laughs> That's, again, extremely good. Uh, but yeah, basically the saga is just, you know, don't don't argue online, especially about politics. Well, and it's funny because you could see this coming a mile away. 
It's like, uh-huh. it's perfect. And Donna warns him from the fucking get-go, yeah. <laughs> of course. It's, it's an interesting sort of interplay between these characters. And again, like, this is why I really enjoyed this episode is because if you, if you take the established personalities and roles in the White House and, like, put the vignette of, oh, no, somebody's wrong on the internet <laughs> <laughs> over them, you can see it coming and exactly how it will work out, which is really right. funny. And... And it's great, and it does play out great. And the fact that there is the humorous, true anecdote behind it all, it makes it all the better. I think. Yeah, absolutely. The fact the fact that that motherfucker like <laughs> had the the balls to be like, well, these people these people have owned me, and but I'm not owned. I'm going to write about them in my <laughs> right. And they get they let Josh make a lot of like petty snipes about like oh, I bet the bitch who runs this place is in a moo moo smoking yeah. parliaments <laughs> like. They, like, it's just Aaron Sorkin ranting about the mods. Mods! <laughs> F- fucking mods. God, how, fucking mod. how dare they? They have more power Corrupt than mod. I. Corrupt mods. <laughs> well, and <laughs> it also, it, like, reminds me of how sort of the, the stereotype of bothering to be online at all has evolved. In two decades, like, it's less than 20 right. years ago this was. And right, it was literally only crazy people are online. Well, <laughs> was the stereotype. Yeah, and and back in the day, you know, for those of us, it who, was just nerd. It was nerdlingers first, and then crazies once the like public got <laughs> yeah. there. Once once they realized there were other people like them. Right. Well, and again, it's just watching this now, having lived through all of those transitions from nerds to crazies to regular ass people to now everyone has a twitter and an instagram yeah, exactly. and a snapchat <laughs> it's it's sort of emblematic of the real the the change that has come down frankly outside of the west wing it has nothing to do with the show itself it's just right. really fun to see this be the time capsule <laughs> right yeah and like i said the the true story aspect to it just gives it a whole extra mwah of flavor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep. And I think uh, that's, I mean, just, you should watch this episode, honestly. I would recommend watching it. This is one of the first in a long time. I'd recommend yeah. watching because the, the especially the posting shit about it, hits, hits <laughs> home, like, in a way that very little things have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorkin is quite prescient about posting. I'll give him credit where credit's due. I, well, you know what? You could tell his experience. You know, get, he learned something from his experience, or at least even if he ref, even if he refuses to admit that he got it. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say maybe he didn't learn something, but he at least remembers. It. <laughs> right, like it's stuck with him. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, okay, uh, let's take another quick break, and we'll come back and wrap up. that's it for this week um thank you for listening as always if you have comments concerns or questions please feel free to drop us a post 
<laughs> in our thread. On lemonlyman.com. <laughs> you can email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. And we will most likely be around within the next week or two to bring you another episode. Everybody, I hope you stay safe. Um, if you need anything, we are all in this together. Solidarity. Uh, reach out to your friends and neighbors. Yeah. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along.